in a bed. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to a book in a bev. We are your hosts today, this evening, whenever you are listening. We have Georgia, Ellie, and Bryony today. Our dear Claire is away studying again. Bless her cotton socks. We also miss her terribly. Really miss her. She's the only one that keeps us in line. Hello. Yeah. Things are going downhill rapidly. <laughs> We're just shambles without her. But this week, we have decided to go through Kingdom of the Cursed. This is book two. Last week, we had Kingdom of the Wicked. And I don't know about any of you guys, but I very much enjoyed book two of this series. And I'm fairly sure there's a third one coming out soon. Very soon. I think it's currently with like the final copy editor, to be honest. I am very intrigued to see where this story goes. We need more answers. We need more answers. Not a lot. Seriously. Your girl was stressed. Like she, I made the suggestion of this book and then after King of the Wicked, granted, I was like a bit more subdued than normal because of the spicy cough. But I was like, oh no, they didn't like it. It wasn't okay. And now I'm reading Ellie's notes and I'm like, it's okay. She's back on board. Back. <laughs> anyway, what are we drinking tonight, girls? I did it, guys. <gasps> it's only taken... <laughs> Well, last week I was obviously in isolation with the spicy cough, so I had Claire deliver me some Prosecco and then I had some random wet red wine. I don't like red wine. So I was trying to do the sangria and I only had two parts of it. Didn't work, but she's done it. And this is like, I'm halfway through this wine glass and it's at least four standard drinks because I went fucking hard. And normally you'd make this in a jug. Nope, one glass for me. (laughs) Prosecco. We've got a Grenache gin so like that's where the red winey bits coming from then we've got a berry liqueur then we've got limoncello (laughs) then added with blood orange cordial and blood oranges that's a lot a lot what's meant to go in a sangria isn't it just like red wine and champagne it ain't my vibe so i was like you know what it took us two weeks but she's done it and it's not bad obviously i am very intrigued to check in with you at the end of this episode i'm gonna be fucking hammered well i went basic white girl and just have a glass of red wine tonight my dear partner is a teacher and at the end of the year he gets gifted a lot of free shit and it's generally wine and i generally drink it all so thank you class of 2021 Oh dear. Well, I am drinking the same thing as what I drank last week because I'm lazy and I didn't finish it. And I was like, it's open. I got hit between the eyes with the cork. I mean, (laughs) most of that bottle being open, can't throw it out. Good memories. A Pinot with orange juice. And just so everyone's aware, my mother got me this top (laughs) and she told me that I had to wear it. So it says, I still read fairy tales. They're just dirtier now. I fucking love you, Tracy. <laughs> it was amazing. So I thought, you know what? I'll do it for her. I'll wear it. She she ordered it for me quite some time ago when it came yesterday and I had to go to a house to pick it up and it was it, she was very excited. So less. Yes. Less. Tracy, shout out fucking to you. Fucking love you, Tracy. We'll have to get matching ones. Yes. Oh my God. Like I was saying, I'm so much happier. Like I love this book and I love this author. And even though there's some bits of this book series so far where I'm like, give me answers. I'm still like, I'm trusting the process. So I still am on the ride. I would give my left titty for wrath. Like I would do anything for this man. 
demon, whatever you want to call him. But I'm happy to see as well that we all, we're on the train now and we can suffer together. As much as I do froth over wrath and as much as I get that literally no one knows or can talk about the fucking curse, it's still frustrating as fuck that no one can talk about or give any information about the fucking curse. Yeah. So there's a lot of things which are left unresolved. And I mean, I remember finishing this book the first time and that ending. And I literally messaged Georgia and I was like, have you read this fucking book? And it was just the worst, the worst of endings to leave like that. Killed me. Uh That being said, I still recommend this book. Don't worry. There's still a bunch of things I love about this book. And again, the tropes, the scenery, the food, the fashion. Kerry, you are a master world builder, my gal. Yes, as you said, I much prefer this book to the first one. I don't know why. I feel like it's because a lot of the questions and confusion I had in the first book was answered in this book, although a lot of it was replaced with more questions and confusion. (laughs) But I was happy enough for that to occur because I was too invested in what Raph and Amelia were going through. I was on their journey. I didn't really care about the plot at that point. Um, the world. (laughs) Look, I, I really couldn't give a shit about her dead, not dead twin sister. Just fuck wrath, please. The same stuff annoyed me in, this time around. Like we're spending a lot of time with Amelia's thoughts, just trying to figure shit out. Um, and then she like miraculously comes to conclusions herself or like weird enchanted skulls just like show up to give her clues. And it's like, well, that's inconvenient, isn't it? And as well as her absolutely complete lack of self-awareness or preservation when she just like just goes gallivanting off in hell but then also I was getting weird vibes throughout the book which were very reminiscent of Bridgerton I don't know if anyone else was picking that up but I was literally saying before you jumped on to Georgia she hasn't seen Bridgerton season one and like I haven't read the books but I've seen that season one and fuck I'm so excited for season two, which I think is literally out as we're recording this. Mm. So I'm so excited to see what you're putting down, Ellie. Yeah. So yes, all in all, very much enjoyed it. And I am looking forward to the next one. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh. You're just like, I disagree. <laughs> I no, I did like this book better than the first one. Like, as I said, I thought the first one, the first time I ever read it, I was being harsh on it. And then the second time I read it, I went absolutely fucking not. I was not being harsh enough. And with this book, I contemplated burning it. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I just, like, I love a slow burn. I love it. But I also fucking hate it. Like, it's like one of those things where it's like, I love it. I hate it. I love it. Because I'm like, I, I love a good smart. I love smart. So I'm like waiting, sitting for it. I'm like, come on, come on. And I did not sign up for a fucking dry hump scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> I signed up. Or a solid, a fucking with a prince, demon. George is like, I want penetration. I want (laughs) penetration, all right? So we didn't get a fuck scene. We got a dry hump scene. And by that point, I had a match to the book. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to go. (laughs) I'm I'm lighting it the fuck jump. (laughs) But like, it was still better than the first one. And like Barney said, like Ellie said, the imagery, the scenery, the food talk, it's so amazing. Like Carrie has a way with like describing things that it just makes you want to be in the moment with the characters. Like it makes you feel like you're there. You can envision everything that she is describing. It's amazing. And then on another note, <laughs> Amelia still made me want to fucking stab myself in the face with a fork. She just annoys me. The main character, like 
Amelia has annoyed me from day one. I think it's just me holding a grudge against her because of the fact that she just annoys me. Anyone out there that Amelia doesn't annoy? Because I love this book, but Amelia shits me to tears. She just, I just cannot. Also, where did that phrase come from? Shits me to tears. Yeah, who? Who decided one day there were going to be like? I mean, shits me to tears. Is it is it because you've got lactose intolerance and you ate da- you had dairy and then you're shitting yeah. so much you cry? Is oh that? Oh my god, I had an ice coffee running <laughs> home. Of Georgia and ice coffee. It was oh not no. good. It was not good. Not good for the bowels. But oh nonetheless. Anyways, yeah, did enjoy it. Just me, you know. We need more. We need more. Yes. Jumping in, do you guys have a map at the beginning of your book? Because I, I do not. Kindle. There may have been. Because at the beginning of book one, we had the map. I mentioned the map. I get you very excited about maps. Yeah. Of these seven princes of hell, like their rings and all of that shit. Notably in the first book, we were in hell. No. <laughs> it was not relevant. It was not. Now it was relevant. And and it would have it? It been very nice to look back at the map in book two when you are literally walking into hell and go oh look house wrath is the biggest house that it is that's interesting (laughs) but no very much so we're jumping in the book starts again with our little teasy moments at the beginning we have before we even have our prologue we have a note from a secret grimoire which again, there's more grimoires. There's more secrets. We still don't have answers. It's fucking fine. Again, this whole book, I'm trying to figure out what the fuck is actually relevant and what is just shit on the wall. The quotes I took from this initial bit about the grimoire is it's like a prophecy story about the birth of Vittoria and Amelia. So on an unusually chilly summer eve, amidst a howling storm, twins arrived. There's a whole other bit of description there. Basically follow through with one would forfeit her mortal life and the other would sell her soul. Another quote we've got is, now as one turned to fury and eyed the devil's throne, the other lay heartless, surrounded by death. Others whispered of a new prophecy, one that damned both witches and demons alike. It's confusing, which again, picking up with the theme of the first book, we're all very confused. Yes. But I'm trying to stick with it. And I'm like, okay, so obviously Victoria's ripped her heart out and she's dead. Amelia is eyeing the throne of hell. She's signing up to be queen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then one would fall for her mortal life. Victoria's dead. But in- interesting that mortal is there. And then the other would sell her soul. We've heard all this bit about Amelia selling her soul rather than to collect a final soul. But. I'm reading between the lines and I'm going to be like, okay, trying to stay with it. So after that, we have a flashback to a devil with wings of white flame and he's like storming through his castle and then he starts arguing with a witch and she's just like chilling out on her throne, the legs up, like all seductive. And this guy threatens to lose loose his hellhounds onto her, which we come to find out are puppy dogs with three heads. Um, I love them. But basically, she doesn't leave. That doesn't scare her. She's obviously a dog person as well. And he uses that opportunity to use a knife and he has it up against her throat. So she's just like, okay, then that doesn't scare me either. And like juts her neck forward and like slices it herself. Fuck. I fucking love that. I was like, oh. I was like, that's 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 one way to do it, I guess. That is, bitch. Just fucking get it. basically and then she makes a curse basically and steals his wings in the process 
And the quote is, from this day forward, a curse will sweep through this land. You will forget all but your hate. Love, kindness, every good thing in your world will cease. One day that will change. When you know true happiness, I vow to take whatever you love too. And it's like, oh, okay. We find out that this guy is the devil. And there's hints that he fought his way onto the throne of the wicked, but he offers another deal to the witch. And then that's the end of this scene. So it's sort of like, hmm, if we're thinking the devil is pride at this point, or the devil, Mm. who is the witch? Is this the first witch? Is this like some weird pre-reincarnation of Amelia? Because at one point she thinks she's the first witch. Or another theory is Nonna the first witch. Has Nonna fucked Wrath? Nonna? You dirty dog! This whole book I really read into the mother maiden crone, like the Hecate, Hecate, I don't even know how to say it, I'm sorry, that whole context of the three-faced witch, and I was really buying into that, so I have thoughts on that. Don't know if it will go anywhere. It's kind of weird recording an episode about a series that's still going and you're making all these theories. Will it turn out anywhere? We don't know. Who knows? Well, I'm going to chuck my theory out there. It's young Nonna and Rats has fucked her and now he's going to fuck the granddaughter. That's going to be weird. God, I hope they're not related. I can't take more incest. I can't do it. And not not from Raph. Yeah, look, I don't want that to be true, but that's just my theory. <laughs> God, I hope you're wrong. At least with this book, we pick up in chapter one exactly where book one ended. It's literally them arriving in hell, keep going. So at least we don't have any absent time that we're trying to figure out what the fuck has happened. Nope, we're right back where we started. So Amelia is still being a new, little annoying bitch and she still thinks that Raph is a dickhead. Surprise. I did oh. like that hell is cold. Gives me that Dante's Inferno vibe because obviously it's very common for hell to be associated with flames and heat and all of that. But no, I really like hell being cold. It's aesthetic. I like winter fashion. And she's not wearing appropriate weather clothing. She's still wearing her fucking corset dress, which apparently Pride gave her. Which did, did he? We don't know questions and she's having this mental like monologue where she's going despite my earlier confidence in my plot to infiltrate this world and avenge my sister's murder I felt completely unprepared now that I was standing here and it's like no shit my dude you're like 18 you have minimal fucking plans in general you know absolutely fuck all and yeah it makes sense that you would be losing confidence because I am (laughs) yeah we're all losing confidence we're all we're done yeah but then amelia pulls herself together ish and gets in her head my location changed but my ultimate goal did not and it's like okay i can get behind this where we're shocked but we're recovering it won't last wrath <laughs> is immediately changing tactics and while immediately i think she's marrying the devil pride wrath <laughs> is certainly like testing the orders and he comes out with this fucking gem when it's your pride didn't appear in that bone circle that night you spilled blood and summoned me it was your wrath your fury and i'm like we dropping hints i'm picking them up i'm also a wrath simp so i'm picking up anything it's fine oh he like honestly i will drop the soap <laughs> <laughs> I'll drop that soap. Soap dropped. And Amelia is like, nah, babe, I did not sign up 
for House Wrath. I have literally just signed a thing for House Pride, which we're not even going to apparently address, but that's fine. And Wrath again is being picking with his fucking wording, which is going to be the goddamn trend of this entire book. And he's like, you chose the devil. And she's like, damn straight, I chose the devil. And it's like, lol. If only you knew, but you don't because you're dumb. It's fine. And Amelia, like, she doubles down as well. So not only is she embodying this confidence of, oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. She's like, let me make a blood oath to fucking prove it. And again, I say lol. She's like, I, Amelia, freely choose the devil. And Rath is like, okay, good. (laughs) Thumbs up from me. Wrath basically gives Amelia three warnings about what to worry about in hell, um, with the third being the thing she literally just did, aka the blood oath. <laughs> so Oops. don't fuck around with blood oaths with the fucking devil, you silly yeah. bitch. You <laughs> silly bitch. But then there was this interesting quote. His warning vaguely reminded me of a note from our family grimoire, and I wondered how we'd come to the hold that knowledge. Again. No, no, you dirty she, bitch. What have you been up to on Saturday nights, Nonna? Nonna, how do you know that the Wicked's Kisses is that good? Why do I feel like this episode is going to be called The Kingdom of Nonna? The Kingdom of oh. Dirty Nonna. Anyways, we then begin to trek through Sin Corridor, where basically Amelia is being tested to see like which sin she aligns more with. And, of course... We are not surprised, <laughs> but she keeps getting angry. Here we are. Okay. Pointing to Wrath. Anyway, this is like, as they're trekking through, it's there's a storm. It's like one bed trope, but instead of one bed, it's one shelter in a storm with the Prince of Hell. Takes off his shirt to give to her because she's in a little fucking metal corset, which would just be like screaming hypothermia. And like, also... <laughs> Why is the Prince of Hell acting like more of a gentleman than my boyfriend? Because, <laughs> like, on a serious note, I would never. He would never. Sam is already passed out in the bed and I'm like, I'm drunk. Yeah. Can you help me? I'm stuck in my shoes. <laughs> Basically, they're lying next to each other. There's, like, a little width in between them. Erase and it. And, obviously, the Sin Corridor, it plays on all your sins. She starts having these little dirty thoughts. Imagine you are having, and like she's having a filthy dream. It's yeah. not like it's not like a mid-sex dream. It's mm-hmm. not like a flirtation dream. It is a steamy dream. Mm-hmm. He's like slowly unbuttoning her shirts and mm-hmm. they're getting all up in there. And she's literally in the dream, he's asking her to confess that he's her favorite sin. Mm-hmm. I wanna die. <laughs> It's just like he gets like the last button on a top. And he's like, while your current illusion sounds wildly interesting, you might want to put your clothes on. The temperature is well below zero now. She's like, that wasn't real? Oh. And I'm like, bitch, you want it to be real. Bitch. And then Wrath comes out with a good old, one thing I can promise is you won't ever doubt it's real when I touch you. He didn't say if I ever touch you. But when, 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 and I'm like, hell fucking yes, take me. I am going to kick off. She basically goes back to bed and she's like, okay, I'm going to pretend that didn't happen, lol. And when she dreams, she starts dreaming of some vengeful woman cursing her, which made me think of back in book one in between all the nonsense. Claudia was talking about dreams. Victoria was very interested in her dreams. There's a lot of 
things that were like in her subconscious coming through and I was like is this are we going to get some more answers Mm. we'll never know so they continue on their little trek through the sim corridor the next day and Rath like refuses to take the shirt back that he he lent to Amelia because it's damaged and he's like no I cannot wear that he's like that is peasant clothing now (laughs) and like we have the banter love and hate are both rooted in passion his lips whispered across my jaw as he slowly (laughs) brought them to my ear my breath caught from his nearness his heat he drew back enough to meet my gaze his attention falling to my mouth for a moment I thought he was going to tip my face up to his run his tongue over the seam of my lips and taste my lies strange how that line becomes blurred over time kill me (laughs) I was literally like oh well I want to go to hell it seems like a great time (laughs) it's a and also like again I know sometimes I get on my little high horse about I love the writing I loved that whole the tasting the lies line that really was just everything for me moral of the story is they're going on their little trek and because amelia is not wearing weather appropriate clothing through essentially no fault of her own because pride gave her the dress amelia begins to get delusional from the cold it's great no problems here and Raph continues with the whole your anger makes me horny line which i think that might be one of my favorite jokes oh yes (laughs) and he says have i ever told you that your anger is like my personal aphrodisiac. Oh, I love that. I would like to die wow. now. Thank you. Oh my god! And then this is where we meet the three-headed puppy. Oh, the puppy dog. And she's like, "Mate, that is a small horse." And Rath's like, <laughs> "Refrain from saddling it up like one. Unlike my brothers, they don't enjoy being ridden." So basically, Rath ends up carrying Amelia out, and we have these like cute little moments. I and die. she basically, because she's like, she's delusional. She asks if Rath thinks her husband will like her, and then she passes out. And before she falls asleep in Rath's arms, again we get this like little tiny exchange, and she's like you said you wouldn't and he's like wouldn't what and she's like take care of me you said you wouldn't and then before oblivion takes her from somewhere far away I could have sworn he whispered I lied (laughs) my fucking life this man this man so Amelia then has mild hypothermia and nurse Rath is back He's massaging life back into her fingers and toes. And that is the kind of massage I'd appreciate. Like full body, doesn't yeah. have to be anywhere. Just lay there like a starfish. Massage with your tongue on my vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Here I am. Like the massage doesn't need to go anywhere. Just like, Jordan's like, no, it needs to go exactly the specific location. <laughs> so when Amelia comes to, we have this moment where she's beginning to notice Raph's presence by the fact that like her heart will just start racing when he's nearby. I want to die and then there was this quote that I enjoyed I squinted wondering who had sent an angel then I remembered if the heavenly being staring down at me had ever been an angel he was something other now that's fucking interesting isn't that interesting isn't that interesting (laughs) but we just ignore that and we carry on with our life yep nothing to say here we find out that we're now in house wrath and my man is back in a suit oh Bless. As much as I love him shirtless, him in a suit will absolutely destroy my pelvic floor. Absolutely. <laughs> Amelia starts 
testing the waters with wrath when discussing pride and gosh she is bamboozled by the notion of a threesome the girl seems as experienced as me really sexually oh well that's a lie because she hasn't even had sex i i've got two children i have clearly done it twice <laughs> what least. are you talking about what they do you mean that there was not an immaculate conception no but she's very much like oh Oh, I didn't realise that I'd actually have to have sex with pride. And she's like, he would invite someone into our bed chamber. And Wrath's <gasps> like, oh, God, I'm going to have to do a lot. Oh, there's a lot of work to be done here. <laughs> Wrath and Amelia banter about him saving her life twice now. And we get this gem of, I'm starting to think your sin is actually pride, not Wrath. Because he starts exhibiting all of these multiple sins which is very interesting. And that very interesting. And their matching tattoos continue to grow, which is also very interesting given that she thinks she's ended their marriage bond. She's a fucking idiot. We just step right around that. And then we have death by fashion because Amelia gets a dream girl wardrobe. At home, I wouldn't second guess my choice to weave them into my hair, but here I chose violence, a bloody shade of red and painted my lips the colour of murder instead because she's also got, not only does she have the shoes and the dresses and the weapons, she has the cosmetics, the accessories. It's like Princess Diaries 2. It is so exciting. But Amelia keeps having dirty thoughts about wrath and she's trying to keep it together but she can't and I mean we kind of skimmed over it as well but in the sim corridor she had this moment where she was incredibly envious because she had a daydream about someone riding wrath it was me (laughs) (laughs) so with these visions she's getting throughout this book that are not only like the something else this other person trying to curse her we also have these flashbacks where there is someone with the wrath or a man and it's very interesting and again we get no answers so while we're in house wrath we realize that our favorite little human second in command and the year is around he hasn't left the scene which is nice because i was quite fond of him and he brings wine and wants to talk shop with amelia and we find out that wrath lives by the saying actions not words which really rings back to the first book when we remember him being really pissed about how amelia believed envy when Envy was just dropping shit out there and Ruff was like, haven't I shown you? And it's like, yes, he did show you, but that's fine. Sidestep that. Ania reveals as well that Ruff got so pissed at Amelia that he brought down a mountain. Which, yeah, wow. I am turned the fuck on. Why am I aroused? The poor <laughs> trauma to the landscape. The environment cannot cope with such upheaval. But we also in the scene get this quote from Amelia which is why is it whenever a man throws a tantrum a woman is blamed for his poor behavior and isn't that the goddamn truth isn't that the fucking truth honestly notably as well we get this moment where Ania says that delivering Amelia's soul to hell was achieved the moment she crossed into the underworld so her soul is already gone as in my opinion but she seems to be having this battle this whole thing being like do I go back to earth I want to see my family I'm like fuck your family we're latched onto her sister fuck your sister like but don't literally fuck your sister (laughs) (laughs) just to make it clear (laughs) just to emphasize but in my point looking back at the prologue I'm like all right she sold her soul that's done. Bed's made. George is still recuperating from the trauma. I just did not. In my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, fuck your sister. Fuck her right off. And you were just like, but don't literally fuck her. And I was like, wait, wait. Since when are we fucking our sisters? <laughs> and did it happen? Did 
we were talking about incest enough in this podcast, so anything could really happen. There's a surprising amount of incest. I'm both ashamed and proud of us. Anyway, Ania also tells Amelia that the more powerful the house, the colder the circle. And Rath's house is ice. Mm -hmm. And is she really that fucking stupid? What does she think Pride's is? Like carbon dioxide? (laughs) Again. There is so shit like everyone's bound apparently by this curse, which we don't know the full terms of it, but they can't say things. And everyone starts dropping hints that they can't tell her everything. She Mm. needs to see it. And yet this dumb bitch is like, okay, I'm just going to overlook that. (laughs) So basically in the next chapter, Amelia finds a talking human skull. And it sounds exactly like her dead sister, who we are not fucking, just to point that out. (laughs) Again, <laughs> and Amelia basically begins to believe that Wrath is the angel of death. Weird. Very interesting. Angel of death, mm. being with wings. A lot of interesting things here. Not that we'll do anything about it. No, not at all. And then Amelia goes searching through House Wrath and she finds a beautiful colour coordinated library. And Wrath finds her. She's making some she's doing shambles in there. She's throwing stuff. She's looking at things. She's she's doing things that she shouldn't be. And he's like, This isn't my personal library, darling. There's more chains and torture devices in my library. And the quote is when you're feeling brave enough, I'll show you. My stomach did a tiny flip at the thought of chains and dark spaces with wrath. And I was like, me too, sis. Me, me too. Side note, colour-coordinated library. Do we err on the side of organisation for our bookshelves colour-coordinated or? I have opinions. Tell me. I absolutely hate it. Mm. Because I can't stand the thought of a series not being together. Like, imagine the Avatar series spread out by colour. I have my, mine is somewhat colour coordinated. It's like colour blocked. So I've got like my mm. Avatar series, but it kind of works out nice. because I've got like pretty much all my fantasy down on one shelf and then all of my other books on the other shelf. So I've got like from like bright colours down to like, so it goes like bright, like Avatar mm. to white, blue, like throne of glass. And then to like the darks, like the blacks and the reds are down the other end. So it goes from like one extreme to the other, but it just flows. So my bookshelf is sorted by genre, but also species. Oh, interesting. Species. So like, say, for example, I've, I sometimes read books about being in space and aliens. Oh. So I have all my space aliens together. We are oh, reading that at some stage. I, I really want to see Ellie deal with one of the barbarians. Yep, as barbarians. Yep. This can be my Christmas gift. For well, anyone who's listening, tell us how you organize your bookshelves because mm. I need some inspiration. Moving on. Rath tells Amelia about the feast of the wolf, which Lust has like mentioned previously in the first book. Um, and Amelia is most likely to be the guest of honour and she has to be, well, she will be forced to reveal a big secret or like a f- her biggest fear in front of everyone. And again, that's like the thing that you probably don't want to do in front of all of the princes of hell, let them know what your worst fear is. Seems like a bad idea. Yeah, kind of especially does. when yeah. Like, you're here to like destroy hell. Like, Yeah. Seems Not like a, a problem. Idea. But this is my first Bridgerton reference because they refer to it as the blood season and they have a guest of honor and fancy balls and it's like hmm sounds familiar sounds okay familiar. i see what you're putting down hmm. amelia is our diamond 
Okay. She's the diamond of the season. Okay. George mm. is like, the fuck are you guys talking about? Correct. Mm. <laughs> we follow that up with Rath and Amelia get into another fight and Amelia finally realises that Rath did not want Amelia to go to House Pride. Shocking. Shock horror, Amelia. Rath tells Amelia to stop asking questions about it and Amelia obviously keeps asking questions because that's our gal. And she's talking about Pride. She's like, will he hurt me? The shelves nearest us vibrated. And Rath says, do you believe I'd permit that? Oh. It's, it's like almost like a who did this to you trope, but not. It's like, I want to never, I would tear down the fucking world to save you. Bitch. You know what? I'm going to sell my soul. I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to find me a wrath. Yeah, look, the fact that he can just make things vibrate by his brain. Woo! Not a bad thing. Not, not a not bad thing. I wonder if his tongue can also do that. Oh, my God. Are you okay, Brady? Raph then prompts Amelia to begin questioning the gaps in her upbringing about magic and about, well, everything really. And Amelia begins to question the story she's been fed and actually delves deeper into her magic. It's only been about a book and a half. So about fucking time, don't you? About fucking time. And then we have the quote. We'd learned the bare minimum of, of earth magic, how to cast simple spells aided with herbs and objects of intent. Nonna spent so much time teaching us the ways of demons only to stunt our education regarding our own abilities. I wonder if that's because Nonna has a lot of experience with the ways of demons. And because she's a fucking toad, still hate Nonna. True. And then, I had the strangest impression that maybe the devil hadn't been cursed after all. Interesting. 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 That's a lot of interesting. And then we go through and we meet fauna and i already love her i think she's mm-hmm. great because she's having this conversation with amelia um and she basically says like oh like there's these nasty i didn't believe the nasty rumors and amelia's like what kind of nasty rumors are circulating and she was like the usual your hair is made of serpents your tongue of fire and when you're angry you spit flames like the mighty ice dragons of merciless reach <laughs> i was like Wow, you got better, bitch. I like you. I like you a lot. Yeah, I like you. And then we basically find out she's literally like one of us. She's like the gossip. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> basically, Fauna and Ania are giving us the most answers and information we've had in this entire series. Literally. Thank you. So we find out that Rath has threatened everyone with violence if they speak a word ill about Amelia. And the quote is, Lady of the Royal Demon Court, if your name is on anyone's tongue, he'll rip it out. And I'm like, oh, my legs are clenched. Oh, my God, this man. And then we also get the first mention of this little serpent paperweight, which does come in later on. It's something Mm. important. But Mm. it's just sprinkled in there very randomly. And I was like, I remember this. I'm going to note this down. Mm -hmm. Again, there's a bunch of things in this book where I'm like, what is relevant? What is not? There's so many things. There's so much lore and mythology. And there's so many random items. So many. And that's the thing. When you're like trying to look for certain things as like a clue, it takes you out of it sometimes. Yeah, 100%. We follow that up with Amelia is comparing her dress colour to food. And at first I got really excited because I thought we were cooking again. She was talking about steak, but no, it's just her dress colour. And this is where I realised, hey, for some reason yet, we haven't cooked. I mean, granted, she's in hell, but I mean, bitch has to eat. I want my foodie Mm -hmm. moments. Give me my ratatouille. 
Amelia then makes this comment that with the way she has styled herself, she looks like a goddess of death and fury, which is notably what she said when she was like getting ready to slice and dice Antonio at the end of book one and he was praying to God for mercy and she was like "Mm, no the goddess of death and fury answered I was like interesting interesting she finds another human skull in her room which is giving her clues we just walk on past that everything's fine everything's fine and then so basically she's meeting house wrath this is the whole thing and it's like this is it it's, it's the trope when the man sees the woman for the first time in the beautiful gown, his breath taps mm. and his gaze darkens. I'm all for it. So she's walking down the stairs in this beautiful gown. She looks scrumdiddly And the quote is, the gaze that was trained wholly on me as if the rest of the realm could burn and he'd pay it no mind. That's what you want. If and that is not I, your standard, make it your yeah. standard. Uh-huh, uh-huh. How do you darken a gaze? This is also, just FYI, the scene with the red dress and it's the low V, but it's the mm. low V and he like puts her, he gives her the Cornicello neck, the Cornetto necklace back. The Cornetto necklace. And she's got like dark lips and like great eye makeup and then her hair is pinned back with like a crown of like animal bones, mm. which normally wouldn't be pretty, but I'm into the aesthetics. Yes. Everything about this is just a mood. And then like their eyes meet and there's this jolt between them, which is described as the first indication of a violent storm approaching. I'm so turned on. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And then we have this moment where Rath is like, you look like a beautiful cataclysm. And Amelia's like, yeah, it's every woman's dream to be likened to a natural disaster. And Rath just goes, it's a violent upheaval. I'd say it suits. And I absolutely agree with this man. Yes. I also want to die and boil in this tension. Oh, yes. And, like, they're doing that whole banter being like, mm, are we, are we, are we not? Mm-hmm. Do you want to? Do you want to? Fantastic. And Rath says, then tell me you hate me. That I am your worst enemy. Better yet. Tell me you don't want to kiss me. I can't say it, Rath, because I'd be fucking lying and you would know. And you know what? Amelia doesn't remember that. So she says it and he fucking knows she's lying. And then they make out. I fucking love, love that guy. And they make out and I'm all here for it. Every time, like, the whole quote is, so she then goes, fine, I don't want to kiss you. Satisfied? He leaned in. Bracing himself on either side of me, his expression smouldering enough to start a fire. Liar. When this man says liar. Legs are clear. No, mine are open. (laughs) Okay, so they kiss, right? He pins her hands above her head while he is thoroughly kissing her. And then there's this quote. For one heart-thundering moment, I wished he'd hike my gown up right here, bury himself deep inside me and release every last one of my trapped desires. I longed to forget where I was and what to do. I wanted to abandon all of the hurt and pain and grief that were never far. All I desired was the sweet oblivion of touch. Wrath could easily provide that and more. And ho, fucking moly. Jesus, take the wheel. Amelia comes in with the, is this real? And Rath says yes and then rolls his hips into her so she can feel his boner. Oh. His giant hell prince 
dick. <laughs> Rath goes, you may destroy me yet. <sighs> Amelia responds, sooner rather than later if you don't stop talking and kiss me again. Rath responds with demanding angelic creature. And I literally want to die. And then they just go, wait, hold on, we've got dinner. And I'm like, no, you don't. Fuck them bitches. But they basically go to dinner and the horn is giving Amelia little zaps on her chest while she's walking there, which is interesting. Again, we walk around that. And then I love dramatic wrath. He's like, are you good? And she's like, I'm good. And he literally just kicks the door in. I'm like... That is how I want to enter on, like, my wedding or something. Like, I just want to fucking just be, like, like, giving me Emperor's new group being like, ha, boom, baby. <laughs> Literally. The rat kicks in the dining room door, even though it's just a casual Tuesday. And they have dinner. It's amazing. I'm here for it. And then he calls her Her Highness. And that's how he introduces her to everyone. I'm still aroused. And says that if anyone shows her disrespect or calls her anything but her highness or my lady, that they will answer to him. We have this foodie moment with the demon wine. Glasses of dark wine were quickly poured and set before us. Frozen berries bobbed to the surface, enchanting and tempting. If I liked red wine, that would sound, or fruit, that would sound very tempting. <laughs> we are. We find out that Wrath can do one of my favourite things in a fantasy book and he can sense when she is aroused. <sighs> I fucking love that trope. It's so good. I like that he can sense it, not scent it. Yeah, Different. true. Then there's this next quote. And like, this is, I'm getting flashbacks to like Azrael talking about knives. And I'm like, oh, yes, I have a knife kink. And the quote is, Are you sensing the knife I'm now considering stabbing you with, Your Highness? And he says, I'm even more interested in where this may lead, my lady. You forget what sin I rule over. I am rather fond of a bit of knife play. Thank you, everyone who reads from Blood and Ash, everyone. Who loves Azrael? Yes, here for yes, you. Yes, this yes, is for yeah. you. And then we meet Lord Macadon, and he made some not very nice comments about Lady Amelia. And he's basically the guy that Wrath is going to beat the fuck up. Well, he already has, and yeah. now he shall again because he basically says to Amelia, like, "Hmm, how do you go handling someone's cock?" And like inferring dick, but also could be confused with chicken could too could maybe he was trying maybe he was just asking her if she liked chicken in her little pretty mouth very doubtful but i mean i'm just gonna harken back to this moment before we get the cock reference um wrath again serves amelia food before he serves himself and that is just everything to me can you tell what my love language is (laughs) now this is the cock reference so this is at the dinner table, this Lord Macadon, and he's talking about her pretty little mouth tasting cock, and I'm not really prepared, and I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable for everyone else in the room. I'm uncomfortable for his wine glass, that his finger keeps going in and around and dipping in and then putting in his mouth. And also, like, yeah, I did a table in front of all these people. I can imagine, like, fauna's down one end of the table, like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, like, I'm just trying to eat my fucking salad. Basically, Lord Macadon, or whatever the fuck his name is, is being like will you suck my dick I have a great dick you'll enjoy it I've heard it's great thorough dick and she's tightening her hand on the knife and she stands up and the chair squeaks back and in the time it's taken her to do that Wrath has already moved across the room 
cut out his tongue with his knife and impaled it on the plate, sat back down. Um, all of a sudden the law, like people start screaming or like reacting and there's blood sprayed across her. And she's like, wait, I haven't even got up. And that's where we realised. Wrath was like, say less, my queen. I've got you. And of course, she gets fucking mad. Oh. She's furious that he defended her. And half of me is like, fuck off, Amelia. He's protecting you. He's doing something nice for you. Accept it. But then she also says, I will not appear weak for you to maintain strength. And I'm also like, well, I get that. And I do. Yeah, look, I get that. That's annoying. Just let it happen. Like, thank him with a nice kiss and maybe like some hand play. Maybe just say to him, like, look, thanks. But next time I need to handle it myself to establish myself. But again, why the common sense? It's unnecessary. Basically, after Macadon's tongue is cut out, Ania takes her to a room. There's like a gate that comes down to protect her from everyone else. Like she's basically in confinement. And while she's waiting in this room, she starts to also test her magic. And we have this let there be light moment where she creates like a flower or a flame or a mm-hmm. flower on fire. Unclear. And it's like, yes, this is what I want. Delve into your magic. Become like the high, powerful, badass witch I want you to be. Don't yeah. just be like, I can move a glass across moisture. Yes. Yes. But within this moment as well, she's still so fucking angry. Like all the time. Is, her internal monologue just fucks me off. Like this entire, I just get so mad at her. And I know that I just am holding like stakes against her because she annoys me. But like this fucking quote, and I keep thinking in my head, look, this is, this is the fucking demon who has been nice to you. Lived your life twice. twice. And she goes, Wrath ought to count his demonic blessings. He wasn't the one standing here with me now. I take his precious blade to his throat, tear the clothes from my person and bathe in his warm blood as I slit him ear to ear. Like, what an aggressive little fucking crazy bitch. And like, usually I'm here for it. Usually I'm all here for a moment like that with like, you know, this strong female lead. But this bitch, she just pisses me the fuck off. Mm. And we go from this to she's like, you know what? I'm going to follow this thought and I'm going to go seek wrath out. And then we have one of my favourite scenes of the entire. Oh, yes. They go to the Crescent Shallows, which is a lagoon under the house wrath. And there are a few conditions upon entering the lagoon. Firstly, you must be naked. Nothing made can touch the waters. And secondly, it like brings truth to the surface. So if you get into it, your truth might be revealed. So he's a little bit hesitant and she's like, better reason to go in. You know what truth I want? His dick. Yes. Surprise. So yeah, of course they go, of course. And they get there and Amelia like looks like she might turn around and he's like, all right, no, like, let me take you back. Like, and she's like, absolutely fucking not. And then she just starts seductively, like, removing her clothing. That's a version of seductive, like a pool noodle. <laughs> this also just reminds me of, so, you know, when you get your license renewed and you get a new photo. So when I got my last photo taken, I was like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look at, I'm going to channel my inner Natalie Dormer. Um, and, and I'm going to look at the camera like I know exactly when the world is ending and I'm happy with it. It's going to be like a smolder. So now I understand why Sam know, doesn't know when I'm hitting on him because it turns out I just look pissed. So, yeah, slowly seductively undressing and his throat bobs and I'm all here for that shit. I'm all here for that throat bob. 
And then she says, are you going to get undressed so we can swim? Or are you planning on watching me all night? And I was like, he wants to watch you all night. Mm-hmm. And then he wants to fuck you. Mm-hmm. So they're in the water and they're doing the whole like, oh, my God, you, can you see me naked? I don't know. Is the water covering me? It's very naughty. And then they're, you know, they're bonding. And he's again talking about choice, which, again, love me a pro-choice man. And he says, I would do terrible things, unforgivable things to choose my destiny. Cursed and wretched it may be, it is mine. Which, again, he's saying what he can't say. Mm. But our bitch is too horny to notice. And he says, better to reign in hell than to serve in heaven. They're just like, they, they're making out. They're getting into in the water and Raph is getting a boner. And I'm so happy for them both. But they have this moment where it's like, we did not have to fall in love or forget our schemes. Tonight we could form a truce, one that lasted only until sunrise. And I was like, yes, give me 12 hours of just like, relentless tension combusting like I want it all I want the tension I want it gone I want like no barriers penetration like someone fuck someone someone. (laughs) I say that in almost every episode someone fuck someone and then we get this moment where then Rath answered with a tender kiss and it didn't feel like he was my enemy or as if he was kissing me for any reason other than the fact that he wanted to. Down in this chamber, far from the watchful eyes of his court and the roles we were supposed to play, we could simply be. He chose this just as I did, and choice was power. Fuck. Yes. We love some good consent. We love consent. (laughs) And anyone, anyone that wants to say that sex and consent do not work. The consent is not sexy. Suck. Here my we clip. are. <laughs> Suck my clip consensually. And it begins, right? There's fingers touching private places. And I am absolutely all here for it. This is one of those moments. This is one of those things that's like this, this phrase, it does something to my insides. And that is take your pleasure, my lady. He watched me gaze burning just like that. I want to die. And like <laughs> after that, he she's like, we need to go to your bedchamber. Let's go, let's go. Now. Like, he's like, all right, I need to teleport the fuck out of here. So he's so dazed by the fact that she ha- grabs his penis through his pants that he misses where he was supposed to teleport them. And instead of going inside the bedroom, he's like, oh, the, the door. <laughs> I love that. And then so they, they're getting hot and heavy. Amelia's like, I can keep going in the hallway. I don't even care. But then she basically nearly passes out and she starts feeling this unbearable pain, which is stemming from her cornetto. So Wrath takes her to Celestia. And I quite like her because she's immediately like, oh, yes, child, something's not right with you. Just let me take a little bit of your hair and I'll whip up this potion and you'll be fine. But then in the meantime, she's going to Wrath you really need to tell her what's going on. This isn't fun. This isn't fair for her. And he's like, shut the fuck up. And she's like, make me, shan't. Be a good little boy and go tell her all of the secrets that you're holding. And Amelia's like, what yes. is going on? Celestia says, perhaps we finally found your Achilles heel, your majesty. Love that fucking quote. Mm-hmm. And again, 
I guess that you would call a prince, your majesty. But I read mm. that and was like, interesting. Mm. So Rath goes, all right, look, there's some things I need to tell you. I guess now would be a great time. And he gives Amelia the tea on the mark. You know, the little mark that he licked on her shoulder in the shape of an S back in book one. <laughs> and he's like, oh, by the way, um, you're not actually betrothed to Prague. You are betrothed to me, lol. And turns out you didn't do the spell reversal because you don't know fucking how. And that's fine. And we get the quote, you are not his intended, Amelia. You are mine. I squealed like a little pig. I was screaming. I was like, yes, because I don't want to know no other man. Not Mm -hmm. after wrath. She's like, oh. This screws up my plans and it's like, I literally was like waiting. So this was the point where I was like, she's going to flip her fucking shit because knowing her, there's no way that she would be like, oh, thank God. I've actually come to really like Wrath and we're about to fuck. So obviously I like him enough to admit that. But no, actually, no, she doesn't react too badly. She doesn't react as bad as what, because I thought she was going to absolutely lose. She's very much in shock and Rath is talking about how well suited they are and it's like well obviously no shit Sherlock this bitch was just saying that she's cast aside all of her other emotions because anger is her like comfort emotion obviously you are well suited the bitch is angry all the fucking time oh yes and he tells her that the summoning mark subdues the marriage urges because apparently when there's a marriage bond the bond creates urges between the two people to bring them together to like accept the bond. So he accepted the bond on his side of things. He's like, I'm in, let's do it. After a little while, he came to that conclusion, but he wanted her to be able to make that choice. And he wanted her to have a clear mind in doing so. So he marked her, which would have subdued the urges. Yeah. A we love consent. We, we love, love it. Consent. But then apparently Amelia does not because he's like, I'm, I'm giving you a choice. And she's like, I always have a choice, I scoffed, except if I want to marry the devil. So I- she's shitty because this betrothal means she can't marry pride. And it's like, but you were freaking the fuck out that you're going to have to have threesomes with him. But also, again, everything Amelia has learnt to this point is that everything she has learnt has been a lie and yet she still thinks that pride is the fucking devil and he says he cannot tell her why he didn't want her to come to hell but that he didn't want her to and this bitch is like wait oh right there is a difference between cannot and will not and it's like oh my god tell me you're finally figuring this shit out we then get the hint at that if she doesn't accept the bond the matter will go before a council of three to basically vote and decide her fate Wrath is like, I wouldn't have fucked you tonight. I wouldn't have consummated our marriage tonight. There are other ways to give pleasure that would not jeopardise your free will. That would be kind of lingus. What a gentleman. He is like, dinner is served and I will also serve. An interesting point that was never really explored. Wrath may have had a potential lover on the scene before Amelia. Nonna? Nonna! I remember during the bath scene after the Viper Day, there was a woman in that vision who we still don't know who that was. And then Amelia asks Rath during this conversation if there was someone else. 
And she thinks, he also hadn't denied that there was someone else in his life, someone he'd chosen before I destroyed his world. And this sort of theory gets sort of sprinkled throughout the rest of the book, but nothing ever really comes of it. I don't know if it's like the envy, sin, just playing a part, or if it is like, mm, he has, he, he was fucking someone before. And, and that's the thing. It's very weird normally you know we might be recording an episode where we've read a whole series and we know somewhat of the end we don't this is an open-ended fucking question for you all do we think Rath had a previous girlfriend I'm inclined to think that it was the first witch yeah Mona this hut like links back into my whole maiden mother crone moment so we will come back so Amelia is pissing me the fuck off at this point because she's like, maybe he wanted to marry someone else. Maybe before I summoned him, he was actually wanting to wed someone and now I've just ruined that for him. And I'm like, stop doing that. You are overthinking. this man. Like, honestly, just he wants you clearly. Just stop overthinking the situation and let it happen all right whatever it was before you obviously he didn't care that much about it because he chose to marry you so then they go to house envy she was like fuck you and your sexual tension i'm gonna go see your brother that nearly killed me and my grandma great idea and to be honest when they arrived there their outfits match and i am just fully about that but envy is always being such a little shit sir and he says i didn't think you'd wish to share but you've certainly dressed her in the most appealing way all that skin begs to be worshipped it's about time i found religion wouldn't you say i love that quote i was like that's beautiful. That is some beautiful banjo right there, my dude. Rath walks her to her room, makes sure it's secure, and gives her a beautiful dagger. And he does the whole thing where he slowly pulls her big skirts up to expose one leg. And then he straps <laughs> the dagger sheath to her thigh. I swear to God, I want to start wearing a nice sheath. Like, I want I want it on my thigh. I want that moment to be in my life, but yeah, I think how do we make people it might find it strange <laughs> if me just walking around with a knife strapped to my leg all the time. <laughs> well, we could be entering World War Three, so you might get your opportunity. Ooh, better to be prepared. So basically, Envy sends Amelia a gown to wear to this dinner that he wants to have with her, and she's talking about how Wrath is going to react when he sees it. And the quote is, apparently, piercing contests were not simply an idiotic mortal pastime. And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, but also having to, like, princes of hell, like, do yeah, don't complain, okay? Because I don't want to hear a peep out of you. That's what <laughs> I want with my time. Like, if all those princes, I would I would do Den of Vipers, that shit. What does that mean? Oh, dear God. <laughs> um, Den of Vipers is... And shout out to our listeners. If you would like to hear Ellie read Den of Vipers, please request it. I'm scared. Like, it's like a um, like a mob group and one woman. Yeah. Are these the quotes you were reading out when we did the Q&A thing? Oh, that is another one that I've read. I like group activities. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. All right. Amelia again is looking at herself and she's like, I looked ready to do battle in the most elegant, vicious way. I truly was turning into a princess of hell. Goddess help the demons. Indeed. We want Indeed. that for you, honey. 
even when you're pissing us off, all women deserve that moment. Envy then tries to use his power on her and she touches Wrath's mark to help snap her out of it and it works. So we're like, "Mm, yes. But then Envy's like, you know what? I don't even need my influence. What if we play truth or truth because I'm a high school student? And they basically, he gets Amelia to use her magic, puts truth spell on the wine, which I love Envy just for this moment. He's like, did you know you can do this with your magic? Mm. And I'm like, no, she didn't because she's fucking not looking into it enough. She's not doing anything to do with her magic, which is just annoying the fuck out of me. So Envy and Amelia play the who can ask question. And first off, it's just fantastic. But then Envy uses the opportunity to also demonstrate that there is a curse which stops the princes of hell from answering certain questions. And that makes Amelia go, oh shit and we again get the reference to the story of curses and stolen memories which is one of the things that Amelia heard in passing in the first book and Envy also hints that Wrath caused him to lose something very important and he wants to return the favour oh dear well we get another interesting quote here she's questioning him on some things and she says to him why in the seven hells would I do such a thing and he responds eight that there's eight hells i had the exact same note written down i'm literally sitting here going all right eight hells seven sins one devil where are we missing something is it because a queen of hell needs to be the devil we don't know ellie's stressed i don't know what this means is it god is it jesus anyways so they break up their little dinner fest and envy disappears he eats on out of there but this is also Granted, I got a bit ahead of myself. This is also after we see that Envy also has a library. I'm loving the libraries in this book. It's very aesthetically pleasing. We also discover that Amelia is having more visions. Amelia asks the question about a sculpture, which is called The Fallen, and she wonders if it symbolises wrath or Lucifer. Question marks. Are they the same person, darling? Interesting. You think that, darling. And because Envy has the true spell, all he answers is, It is my interpretation of my cursed brother. Like, he's just like dribble drabbering these things along. Like, are you going to pick it up? Are you going to pick up these breadcrumbs? And she's so just like, oh, this is the... The answer is she's not going to pick it up. (laughs) Then he shows her the spell book of La Prima. So we basically find out that he wants to find the triple moon mirror and the temptation key because all three of these things will aid in was it breaking the curse honestly i don't know i have no idea why he wants these things i don't think we actually find out properly why he wants them but we and honestly he wants her to find them for him i honestly hope it gets like resolved in the third book i wouldn't be surprised if it does anywho we get this quote about the curse tree so the cursed tree fable deep in the heart of the bloodwood forest lies a tree planted by the crone herself it is said among other favors the tree will consider hexing a sworn enemy if the desire to curse them is true to request the crone's curse carve their true name in the tree write your wish on a leaf plucked from its branches then offer the tree a drop of blood take the leaf home and place it beneath your pillow kind of like the tooth fairy if it is gone when you arise, the crone accepted your offer and has granted your wish. She is the mother of the underworld. Beware of her blessing. And what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> so if the crone is the mother of the underworld, is she the mother of the seven princes of hell? Mummy? 
And if the crone is the mother, then we find out who the crone is. So I have mm. thoughts, but it's fine. We'll get there. Oh, Jesus Christ. I she can't. She was talking to Rath the way that she was. Anyways, in this next moment, because obviously Amelia has, he's, because Envy was leaving the library and he's like, oh, yeah, you should read this plaque about the cursed tree. So he's just, he's just fucking with her at this point. Mm. He's literally like, you know nothing. I'm going to lay them all out in front of you. So when you look back, you're going to be like, wow, I was so fucking stupid. And his little, his squire, whatever you would call him, he comes down. He's he's like, oh, you know, um, he's had to leave and Prince Envy has had to go. But, and then there's this quote, his highness also said, if you wish to make Prince Rath jealous, you may sleep in his highness's bed tonight. He suggests doing so in the nude. And I quote, Think filthy thoughts regarding the most well-endowed prince in this realm while tending to yourself. There is a life-size painting of Prince Envy on the ceiling should you require a stimulating visual. (laughs) And I'm like, look, all (laughs) I can think of is back when my parents were newly married. Okay, wait. The fact this story is starting with your parents is concerning. If you you guys know my parents, you know why that's not that concerning. (laughs) Um, my dad worked in the gas field, so he would be away for long periods of time. My uncle helped my mother put a picture of Tom Cruise from Top Gun, like a poster, <laughs> on the roof of their bedroom while my dad was working in the gas fields. No. Hazel. I love that. Why does she need to see Tom Cruise before she goes to sleep? Look. I was back before Tom Cruise found Scientology. There was a lot better options then. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. So Amelia ends up going back to House Wrath and we also find out that she's taken something from Prince Envy. We don't actually know what it is yet, but we can all pretty much gather, well, I I gathered pretty soon what it was because of the fact that he stole it from her initially, the spell book. And... Mm -hmm. Amelia is basically in this moment, she's talking about her, like her romance novels. And then she says, I adored how they more often than not despised each other and how that spark of disdain flamed into something else entirely. And I was like, me too. I also like that. Me too. I love that. Enemies to lovers trope, babe. But also if you like it so much, Amelia, then why do you not just give into it? literally you go from like that which is a favorite trope of mine into another favorite trope of mine which is um training sequences and at first she starts out we get some weapons training with Ania. she starts snooping about Rath's past and we have that moment where she's asking if he had a lover before and Ania is like would it change anything if he did and she's like yes and then she hears the voice over her shoulder say careful or I might think you'd actually like to marry me I do I really really do honestly at this point fucking where's the ring and I don't even care if it's your ring at this point just bend over I'll put it on my finger (laughs) make it work I adore that moment where it's the main character and someone that didn't have to hear it was talking behind them I love it I love the trope okay (laughs) Ellie's dying what ring were you talking about butthole <laughs> I thought so <laughs> but Rath is there he is right behind her and he tells Ania that no one is to enter the room until he is done and I'm like oh oh I'm not done yet but I'm also horny keep going so then first he uses his powers and makes her slothful and she falls to the floor and dribble comes out of her mouth 
<laughs> but then the next moment he makes her lust fall and she's trying to climb him like a tree and she's envious and she's jealous and then she's wrathful and it's like isn't this very intriguing that all of a sudden this particular being can make you feel any sin not just the one which he is affiliated with it's very interesting amelia doesn't take the hint and (laughs) basically then we have this moment where basically makes her say the envious vision she had in the sin corridor being that she saw him fucking someone else oh my god and we have that moment where he's basically literally making her say were you angry that i was making someone else have pleasure were you angry that i got her there and it's like yes (laughs) kill me for our audio only listeners this absolute silence is me dying (laughs) so pretty much raf is just fucked off he's not in the mood for anything he is like you need to learn how to protect yourself if you're going to be fucking around with my brothers and he doesn't mean fucking around with his brothers fyi he's not or does he (laughs) this Um, is why we emphasize there's this quote that he comes out with and he says if i wanted you on your knees bare before me without a thought of your own in your head i would will it if i desired to fuck you into our marriage you would do exactly as i said and you would beg for more neither attracts nor pleases me i long for an equal and I was like, oh, baby, Jesus Christ. It's giving me everything. It is. But then he makes her take his dagger and asks her to stab him in the heart repeatedly. And she does. Yeah, I thought, I was thinking this moment, oh, she's going like, to be able to stop herself. Yeah. She cares no. She's like, nah, boom. The Prince of Wrath, the General of War is like, take your vengeance now get it out because you think that's what you want and it's not and he's right he is correct she stabs the shit out of him and at the end she just feels horrified and he's like you don't feel better do you and she wouldn't have believed him if he had told her that she had to do it and he was the only one who could take it and not die it i'm fucking here for it now i will say in during my research for this episode a lot of people were very disturbed by this chapter yeah fair look killing your partner and just taking away her free will and Mm. making her strip for him and all of these types of things but it's sort of like there was a lesson involved in it he did state that he wasn't going to take yeah he did he's always prioritized her choice Mm. in the matter and he's wanted her to be prepared and that literally is followed up in our next bit where he after Amelia was stabbed, she's like, oh my gosh, how dare you make me do that, make me feel like that. And he's like, yes, how dare I teach my wife how to defend herself against her enemies. To be fair, he's the only one so far who's either tried to help Amelia, saved her ass, or actually tried to teach her new skills. Yeah. Her family didn't. No, and we have seen how fucking stupid and stubborn she is. So something like that is what it's going to have to take to get through to her. Yeah, he definitely, if he had turned around and said, look, you don't actually, this will not make you feel better, she would not have believed him. No. No. So here we are. stubborn. So she needed to be taught a hard lesson. 
but she's pissed and Wrath is like, dude, you need to learn to protect yourself. And again, I agree with him. We all agree with him. And we have this quote where it says, I suggest you come prepared to do battle or you will find yourself once again in your under things on your hands and knees before me, begging or stabbing or both. Why did that turn me on? Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, he comes back to apologise to her a bit later on because he's sort of like, I did upset you. I do feel bad for that. Let's just have a chat. Let's let's chat it out because he is the king of communication apart from the things he cannot discuss. But basically he sees the another enchanted skull. No, it's the same one that's just fallen out of their cupboard. Yeah, she's doing that moment where she's bending over, she's getting changed, and then she realises by pulling the dress out, it's exposed the skull, so she's pushing it back in as Wrath comes around the corner mid-sentence and is like, is that a talking fucking skull in your closet? And again, it's this is something she chose not to tell him, and it's like, you silly, silly, silly girl. The one person who is looking out for your interests, you choose not to tell big, mm. life-altering things. Anywho, the next day. She decides to take a little stroll in the gardens. She comes across this weird statue of a naked woman. With a snake curled around her and it's like hinting at the goddess. Is it Nonna? Anywho, she also hears weird screaming from down below and she's like, oh, that's, that's not nice. And then Envy just magics himself there and we discover that Amelia stole the spell book from Envy and he tells her, look, that's okay because I had it rigged so that if it was ever stolen from me, whoever stole it would have something stolen from them. Turns out that that's her magic. She's a fucking idiot. She now has no magic at all. So now she's just a regular old mortal in hell. Good one, Amelia. But then we get the invitation to the Feast of the Wolf. And as what Wrath had already told her, she (laughs) in fact the guest of honour, and it's being held at House Gluttony. We haven't met Gluttony yet. I'm happy. And then we get another weird Bridgerton moment. Fauna starts telling Amelia about pre- the previous Feast of the Wolves celebrations, and she brings up this columnist who writes about the parties who knew how had journalists. But anyway, Lady Whistletown? Rumour claims he ruined her cousin's chance to marry into the nobility, which is why she took up the cursed pen. So much scandal. It's Bridgerton. It's literally Bridgerton. It is literally Bridgerton. Why the fuck? And she only has two references in there. It's now and it's later on at the party where Gluttony is like, oh, she said my parties were boring. I must go show her otherwise. And that's it. Yeah, and he says so like he's like, Oh, we've got a party crasher when he sees this journalist and goes off, and that's all we get. Mm. Why the fuck is that even referenced? No. We don't know, other than the fact that it is Bridgerton. I'm hoping that when the next book comes out, we might read it as it's released. I mean it's not in the fishbowl at the moment, but I feel like it would make sense. So we get Amelia finally going to the kitchen and she starts cooking up a store and outside the window Rath and Ania are training with no shirts on and uh distraction at its finest sorry I need more of this in my life so Fauna and Amelia they're chatting while cooking up a storm we finally get a little bit of a taste of a foodie moment and Amelia's finally cooking and she's making this like berry pie I'm and just here because for it. Rath had sourced all of the ingredients from like the human realm for her 
so she could feel at home in the kitchen. Bless his little cotton socks. Anyway, so Fauna is talking about how basically Rath allowing Amelia a choice in the marriage betrothal is almost like making him look weak to the rest of his house. And they start talking about the marriage betrothal and Fauna is just basically teasing Amelia. Amelia was like, oh, what would we do, you know? And then she's like, ravage each other until the early morning hours, scream each other's names as he bends you over and slams his, and then she cuts her off. She's like, enough, no, no. And I was like, yes, Fauna, yes. I feel like I resonate a lot with her. (laughs) Yeah, I, I see that. I see that a lot. We basically go from that moment into the next training date where Brath is using his influence on Amelia. I fucking love this man because it's just, it's all a happening. And there's this quote that he uses and I can't. He goes, make no mistake, Amelia. When I go to my knees before you, it will be to conquer, not surrender. If you have any doubts, I shall enjoy proving you wrong. And basically she's mold the story. She succumbs to his powers again and then he lets her go from it and they have this moment with the throwing knives and then she's like, wait, I can't dance. And he's like, let's dance. And then ballroom dancing, they're doing a box step together and it's very cute and I love it. And then a near ruins the moment. He does. He rocks up and he's like, hey, um, that like other human, he's asking for Amelia in the dungeon. And she's like, human? Antonio? I forgot about the man that killed my sister. And look, honestly, I had to. But like fucking Amelia, she's always thinking the worst. Like Raph has said that basically the cell door to Antonio's cell is magic shut and the only people that can open it is him and her. And she's like, well, that was stupid of you to underestimate me. And I'm like, you're his future fucking wife. Like, what do you fucking mean, bitch? Like, I was so mad. God. when she sees Antonio, she does, she goes cray cray. And literally, Rath is literally picking her up and taking her outside because she tries to kill Antonio. But then when they're outside, he has that moment again where he gets horny from her anger. I love it. Basically, he's got her against the wall and he's like, do you remember what I told you about your anger? And she does, she misses that. I did not. I picked up on it. I would be very, very responsive. And Amelia is like, what the fuck, man? I am cool as a fucking cucumber. I am absolutely fine. I'm obsessed with the fact that he just goes I find it fascinating that you continue to lie to my face knowing full well I can sense each untruth it's so fucking true she always lies to him and I'm like bitch he knows he knows but they're having a steamy moment and basically the quote that comes out is I am your intended and a living embodiment of sin. A certain amount of inappropriate behavior should be expected, especially when the future princess of House Wrath is so appealing. And she's like, you are a heathen. I just tried to murder a man. And he's like, precisely. Look, they go back into the room and Antonio essentially tries to tell Amelia that the reason he killed Vittoria was that he was under a spell. But she ends up basically being like, do you believe that? Cool, good for you. When you figure your shit out, let me know and then we'll talk. She leaves, she takes a nice bath. We meet a servant called Harlow, which is very one-showy. I immediately think Harlow is the assassin, but it's fine. When she's in the bath alone, though, something or someone tries to choke her. And then she remembers she has a fucking dagger still attached to her leg, but she didn't notice when she got into the bath. 
but it's Why? fine. She Why? throws it. She strikes home. When she gets at the bath, the assailant is gone, but his blood is everywhere. Wrath shows up and is like, who touched my wife? And he's like, do you want to come with me to get him? And she's like, no, I can't. I'm in too much shock. And he's like, it's okay, babe. It takes enormous amounts of strength to acknowledge your limits, Amelia. A true leader delegates just as you're doing now. Never doubt your courage. I certainly don't. But I am going to go kill this bitch. Yeah. For touching my wife. Yeah. BRB, GGG. Fucking loved, like, the quote that Amelia uses at the end is, how stagger gripped in hand, looking like a nightmare made flesh. And to whoever had just attacked me in his house, I suppose that's exactly what he was. May the goddesses grant the assailant a swift death. Wrath certainly wouldn't. We then get this other foodie moment where while Wrath is out killing bitches, Amelia's making some garlic bread essentially with some pesto. I'm not a big fan of pesto, so I'm going to say it's garlic bread. But Wrath appears and basically starts helping her cook, which is probably one of my favourite things of all time. And then as they're about to he, he does a good cheers by saying, may we always feast after spilling the blood of our enemies. Bitches, I'm going to be using that from now on. And then basically Wrath confirms that he has killed the person that tried to hurt her, that they had their tongue <laughs> cut out. And Amelia goes, that deserves a hug. And I want to die because he rests his head on her head because he's so tall and she's so short and I want to die. I love that. But then also he's like, oh, I really dig this pesto thing, maybe more than the cannoli. If she calls him the cannoli king, the devil is called the cannoli king. I know. I want to die. But then then Amelia just gets fucking wasted. <sighs> they have another training session. This time we're all about House of Gluttony. And it seems to be my favourite house. He just provides her wine upon excess chocolates upon excess whipped cream berries diamonds just all of the things and she indulges in everything they quickly learn that when she's drinking alcohol it sort of impacts the way she can uh, divert the powers of the princes so she's like oops sorry forgot to like stop you influencing me with the gluttony powers I'm just gonna keep drinking and maybe I'll just come over here and sit on your lap and they're doing that thing where so he's sitting in a chair watching her they have this table between them of huge mountains of food and excess she comes around the table she's in like this tight silver dress with diamonds at her throat and she's drinking and she's she basically sits on his lap with her back to his chest and he decides to take the opportunity to feed her because she is trying to aggressively stab some berries and she cannot stab them he basically goes like if you tell anyone about this it's not on and she's like he and they have this moment where he's basically feeding her and then he's registering other hungers within her. And we have this moment where he says, assert your wants. You need not apologise for them. Beautiful, beautiful. So he basically like switches off his powers and he's like, nope, no more, no more drunk, drunk. Let's start fingering. Because <laughs> again, he is not actually taking away her choice. No, he basically asks her what she experienced the night that she called out his name in the sin corridor and she tells him. And even as she is basically airing her dirty dark dream about him before he touches her, 
before he penetrates her, he asks for her verbal consent. There is no one alive that does not find that attractive. So they keep fingering. There's more fingering. She's like ready for the fucking. And he's like, no. And he turns around and he says, now that you know what you enjoy, you may find the same pleasure at your own hand. Good night. What? The fuck? Wrath. My dude. But so the next day, Amelia and Fauna are debriefing and she's saying, look, we were about to fuck. And Fauna's like, oh my God, were you? And she's like, yes, we were. Again, it's very relatable. It is so relatable. It's so relatable. And then Fauna turns around and she goes, I bet all of House Green that he took himself in hand last night and thought of you while he spilled his seed. Jesus. But Fauna asks her before they get to the part where Amelia tells her that he just left abruptly. She's like, so did you take him with your mouth or with your hand? And Amelia's like, why would, what would I do with my mouth? And it's like, hun, you've been reading romance books. How do you not know this? Surely you know about sucking dick. And we get this, again, this vague reference to the a history of some kind with a matron and a cursed daughter, which, again, we get no exact details from, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. We just skim past that. So Amelia and Fauna go to visit Celestia because Amelia's got this theory that she thinks Celestia is the first witch. So she's like, right, we're on a mission. She then asks about the cursed tree and Celestia says to carve the true name of the one you seek information about into the trunk and take one leaf from the tree when you desire the truth you break the leaf in the presence of the one whose name you carved Amelia's like but what if I'm not sure whose name it is for the person that I'm thinking of and she's like can I just use their title instead and Celestia's like no names have power and I knew at this point I was like oh Oh, we know. Oh, 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 here we go. Here we go. So basically now Amelia is searching for information on the first witch in Rack's library. And she just leaves the library in motherfucking shambles. Disgraceful behavior. Yeah. And I'm like, please be careful of the books. And then we run into training session number four with Rack. And she's like, I'm fucking ready for you bitch and she says there is nothing more dangerous than a woman who owns who she is and apologizes to no one i believe i am powerful therefore i am and i was like frack those fucking knuckles bitch let's go then like mid-tension foreplay battle moment she has a vision of kissing and running and hiding and being cute and cuddling in like a shrubbery and it's hot as fuck and we're like who is the fuck is this we don't know and we leave that moment and we go back to the main plot which is it's time for feast with the wolf and this is another one of those times when amelia's walking down the stairs and she goes well, how do I look? And Rath's like, I suspect you know. She's like, indulge me then. And he's like, trouble incarnate. And I'm like, yes, that's exactly how I would like to be spoken about. Thank you very much. (laughs) As they're going to the Feast of the Wolf, they take a carriage because apparently you can't teleport. And his four horses are named after the four horsemen. Love that. Right? Love that. And they walk into Gladney's house and there is a table the size of four oversized mattresses, which are prominently on display. And they're forcing the guests to like squeeze around the outsides of them if they were to enter enter like beyond the castle. And the table was not covered in food or wine. No, no, no. It was covered with lovers. All just fucking. Amelia initially was like, what the fuck? And she's seeing like a spit roast in one portion. 
And then cunnilingus in another. And she's like, these are possibilities. Oh my goodness. But then she's like, look, I can't appear flustered. I've got to own my shit. So she walks over to the little bit of whipped cream that they're all using, dips her finger into it, turns back around, maintains eye contact with Rath and sucks that cream off of her finger. And it's like, oh. Where does that ripped cream be? <laughs> like, what if they were all putting their bits and pieces in it, woman? Be careful with that. It does not sound hygienic. So they're walking in to the Feast of the Wolf. And Gluttony's like, oh, good, look, it's your soon-to-be wife, Amelia. And she's like, actually, I haven't decided if I'm going to accept it or not. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But then Wrath comes in with the whole breathe in her direction without expressed permission and she will disembowel you. And I was like, oh, I am turned on. Thank you, sir. Wrath and Amelia go for a stroll through the Twilight Garden, which is basically the orgy garden. And that's when Lust appears and go, what's up? We need to talk, but it's fine. We ignore that. Moral of the story, next day, Gluttony wants to meet with Amelia in private and they talk about the hunt because apparently everyone else is going on these hunts for these ice dragons or whatever the fuck. We don't care because we've got other more important things. Gluttony goes, I found that sometimes our body recalls what our minds do not and basically goes, take the fucking hint, bitch, and go on a horse ride with your purple horse, Tansy. And Amelia goes, I'll do that, and gets on a purple horse called Tansy. It was fucking weird. She literally just, like, rocks up to the stables, and she's like, oh, hello, purple horse, mounts her. And now it's like, oh, okay, so she's got horse riding abilities because no one can just mount a horse and start cantering without some form of, like, prior practice. Anywho, she's on the horse. She's a horse gal now. More, she's a horse. Mm -hmm. Anyway, she's on a weird purple horse, and they end up going through what we discover is Pride's territory after stumbling across a weird patch of flowers. Guards suddenly start surrounding her, and they tell her to dismount and to drop to her knees. And it's like, what the actual fuck is going on? All of a sudden. Like she ends up in, they take her back to the castle. She's in the dungeon. She's there for hours. And she's like, I'm a princess. Let me go. And he's like, the fuck you are. A few hours later, they let her go. And Amelia gets like, what the fuck just happened? She assumes that she's in, well, she doesn't know she's in Pride's territory. But the guard basically just says, it's best not to inquire about his wishes. I suspect that give you nightmares. Like, oh, that sounds ominous. She decides to ride back and Clutney is waiting for her and he's like, did anything interesting happen? And she's like, um, I found this weird patch of flowers. But my horse is purple and I sat in a cell for a few hours. I don't know what's going on. He basically like cuts this little pouch off of her, which is where she had picked the weird flower garden they strolled upon. And he tells her that, These flowers are slumber root, which are capable of knocking out the most powerful royal. And this was just a weird fucking plot point in order to establish two things. One, who pride is, and two, that there is some form of herb that can knock a prince out. In my mind, the only reason why it was chucked in there was because that Amelia needed to use it against Wrath at some point. And I was like, I didn't like that. I don't like it when she has to use it against... If she just told Wrath. Exactly right. So then it's time for the ceremony and it is Feast with the Wolf. Dinner is like a foodie dream with course after course of elaborate food. It's like a MasterChef challenge. We love it. 
Oh, it's a full-on degustation. It's like descriptions of all the different servings that are coming out. It's like Heston Blumenthal in hell. Envy's chatting about the stars of seven. Fauna tells Amelia it's like seven sisters. If you interrupt their celestial spinning, there's a chance they may pluck and weave the wrong thread of fate. Sometimes the results of such interferences are immediate and others take decades. And Amelia's like, sounds great. I'm just going to go find them right now. She's like, I'll do it. (laughs) Amelia at dinner just goes, so is the devil here? And everyone just goes silent. And it's like, well, this is fucking awkward because Amelia still thinks that pride is the devil. Literally. Whereas he's sitting right next to her. He's sitting right next to her. (laughs) Wrath is like, dance with me tonight, Amelia, but I need to disappear to go put on my mask. You have this moment where all seven, well, it's six initially, they all appear from the corners being like, what's up? with their masks and then pride walks down the stairs like a magnificent bastard oh my god i when this when this scene was happening i had in my brain the boards are back and down boards are back and down. <laughs> anyway but that's that's what i had this is what amelia says when she notices the boys the boards are back you know she goes my focus landed on the biggest as he prowled forward even with a mask covering his face, I'd recognize that confident gait anywhere. Wrath didn't simply walk into a room, but he strode in and dominated it. And he wasn't even trying to. Everyone else could fade away and he'd be left burning brightly, a constant source of power and fertility. Which FYI, Lucifer is known throughout mythology as the bright one and then pride arrives and we have this moment to be honest he's very meh but they're dancing and they're discussing wrath and pride says he dearest darling is the balance and is usually the only thing standing between us and total destruction wrath is impartial for justice made flesh and you're like that is very interesting so amelia is more so caught up with the fact that wrath is looking at them and pride is looking at her and trying to make wrath jealous so as they're dancing pride intentionally tries to do a booty grab his emotions Mm. so he like slides his hand down her lower back and just as he's doing that amelia stomps on his foot while they're dancing and i was like (laughs) i quite enjoy that amelia figures out that she recognizes that pride has a scar and it's actually one of the guards from the property she was at earlier when she got essentially arrested while grabbing the slumber root and she's like oh hey in exchange for me being quiet about the slumber root that you're growing because you're growing a fucking lot i just want to cross your lands twice on a time and day of my choosing without any interference from you your guards or anyone who calls house pride or that circle their home and somehow pride's like fair deal done how after this she runs into envy and he's like it's time bitch we're gonna eat your biggest fear nom 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 it's snacky time get your bibs on (laughs) and she's looking around she's like fuck where's raf and he's missing of course of course classic so she gets sort of seated at the dais with the master of ceremonies and of course at the last minute wrath comes in and he saves the day and he's like i'm going to be the one that sacrifices my secrets and my biggest fear and because he won the hunt with the ice dragons or whatever he's claiming that as his prize but in order for that to be his prize all of the other there needs to be a majority vote between the princes And it gets sort of negotiated that instead of that being the prize, the prize is actually going to be him and Amelia fucking in the royal suite. Having a 
sexual activity, dalliance, if you will. And Amelia at this point has basically accepted the fact that she wants Wrath. She's like, I'm overlying to myself, let's do it. And Wrath's not very happy about this. And she's like, you don't want to bed me? And then he goes, it's not a matter of wanting you, Amelia. And then she says, what is it? And he says, call it selfish, but I do not want there to be any outside forces driving you into my arms. When you decide to come to my bedchamber, I want you to know whose sheets you're climbing between. I want you to call out my name. And Amelia's like, well, he didn't say that we need to fuck, really. So why don't you just tickle my pickle? And Rath's like, <laughs> he's all getting all horny because she's threatening him. And again, we love it. We are all here for it. And he's about to go down on her. He's like going down and we want to find out if that tongue can do the vibrating thing. Oh, and yes. she's like thinking in her head, like, oh my God, he's looking at my vagina. Ugh. And he's like, don't ever hide yourself from me unless you want me to stop or I'm not pleasuring you the way you like. You are beautiful. And I want nothing more than to do this. He dragged a finger down the center of my body and I almost saw stars with my tongue. Ah! Screaming. But of course, they can't have sex. Well, um, he's like, he's not going to have sex with her. So they basically dry hump like horny teenagers until they both come. But I still I'm happy for them. I still really liked it. I was like, thank fuck. But also, we've only got 100 pages left. When is that going to be fucking? All right. So I'm thinking in my head at this point, he's taken off his pants and like he's lining himself up. He's like, is this going to happen? And she's like, actually, I need a drink. And I'm literally, again, matched to the book. I'm ready to burn it. I am like, you fucking bitch. (laughs) And I knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. The betrayal. So she goes to get this drink for him and she puts some of that flower, the slumberer in it. And she goes, I'd made a vow to someone I loved well before I knew wrath. And this opportunity was too good to pass on, no matter how much my heart roared in pain, anticipating the break. You fucking dumb bitch. So Amelia then fucks off on her purple horse to go discover the cursed tree. And she sees a hooded figure and her payment is in favours and... This hooded figure we come to discover is the crone from that fable from the skull. What happened? Maiden crone. Basically, the hooded figure is talking in riddles and she's like, you can't expect to find someone else's mysteries answered if you don't know your own. And it's like, yes, Amelia, there is so much left unknown about you. Why are you not interested in this? And the quote is, you, my child, find yourself in the center of your own mystery. Until you discover the secrets of yourself, you will not know the answers to your sister's mystery. And that is something I cannot tell you. Some truths you must find on your own. The hooded figure is like with the prince's name on the tree, you can find out the answer to the question your heart yearns to know. And we have this moment where it's like, you know who he is but you choose to remain in the shadows, comfortable in the dark. Maybe it's not his tricky fear, but your own. Perhaps you refuse to look too closely at him because of what it reveals about you. He is your mirror. And we really do appreciate what stares back at us. That, my child, is where the true test comes in and you are brave enough to confront your demons. Not many are. She basically, she goes, you know what? Why not? Writes name on a tree and leaves. Literally, and like I would have been shitting fucking bricks. But mm-hmm. she's like, I'm gonna go find Rap. She's skiffing through the castle, and he's a little bit upset with her, but really, he's not that mad considering what she fucking did. No, and I was expecting like full on, I'm not speaking to you. Literally, 
I would have fucking killed this bitch. A lot of what Wrath has done up until this point is that even though he might not approve of her methods, he knows that we need to get to a certain point and I think he's willing to sacrifice a lot of himself to get there. Yes. And that's where we're at. So Wrath is basically hanging out in the kitchen because he finds butchering calming, which is very adorable. And we find out essentially she's like, so I wrote a name on the tree and he's like, don't do it. He like catches her hand and then she bamboozles him and they break the leaf and he realises that she wrote his name on the tree being Samuel and he is the devil. And we finally realise that. <laughs> and he says, Prince of Darkness, King of the Wicked, I've been called many things, but I'm no liar. She's still like, oh, goodness, this is a bit much for me to handle. And it's like you literally signed a blood oath to the devil earlier on in this book when you thought you were going to marry pride now you've come to realize that the person who has treated you with the most kindness throughout this entire period is actually the devil and you're like oh no she annoys me anyway we come to find out that the horn of hades actually is his wings not his horns so basically because pride is so prideful he will never actually admit that he's not the king of demons and wrath has no emotions like one way or another about the title so he's like yeah everyone can go on thinking that it's pride but everyone in hell knows that i am the devil and she like amelia's just such a fucking little bitch she's like you are the devil evil incarnate and he's like who is that who you know me to be and she's like well that's what everyone else thinks you are and he's like i'm like that's not what he fucking asked you Mm -hmm. and he's not very happy and he just is like and then he vanishes fair enough too so amelia goes to find the matron of curses and potions aka celestia aka the crone and we have the quote Every villain thinks themselves a hero and vice versa. In truth, there's a little villain and hero in each of us, depending on the circumstances. And that is when Amelia works out that the temptation key is that little like serpent paperweight. Mm-hmm. Again, it seems very fucking relevant. And then we realise that the seven sisters are in the sin corridor. Of course. She just was like, all right, I'll go to the sitting corridor. Mm. We do not know if she has her horse back or if she's just walked. Last time she was there, she got hypothermia and nearly died. But anyway, she's there. She finds a tree with the number seven on it because that seems like an inconspicuous way to hide. She smears her blood on it and then like, poof, magic staircase. Down she trots. And then she finds Celestia, a.k.a. the crone, a.k.a. maybe Wrath's mum. Who would know? And she's like... I'm cashing in my favor. Once you activate the mirror, I ask that you return my spellbook. And she gives Amelia the mirror. So now she has the mirror, the book, the key, all three things. And we don't know what they do, but we've got them. But Amelia fucking realizes that she has seen who Wrath is and that look, his actions have actually proven that he's not a big dick. And look, we already knew that, but at least she's finally here. Exactly right. And she looks into the mirror. It's working. And she sees... Victoria with lavender eyes in the dungeon with Antonio thought she was dead so she's like oh my god Victoria and Victoria in like the mirror she's like looking over to where she's hearing the voice and it's like she's looking at Amelia through the mirror but they're not communicating with each other odd Mm. and Amelia also makes the point that she doesn't quite look exactly like Victoria but it is her so she's like well I've got to yeet on back to the dungeon because my sister's alive how fucking exciting scrambles up to the dungeon apparently only takes like a three 
or four minutes now when it took days last time. So there's that. She gets to the dungeon and there's no Antonio, there's no Victoria, but there is a skull. And the skull says to her, come to the shifting aisles. Sister, we have much to discuss about breaking the remainder of our curse. Answers await your arrival. Until then, stand back. And the skull goes poof. And Amelia's like, oh, great, so you're alive? And you never you never thought to let me know? You've just allowed me to run around trying to find I your do. I really understand Amelia's response. She's become this creature of vengeance to avenge her sister who's not actually dead in her eyes. So that's pretty shit. Yeah, I was going to be mad if she was like, oh, my sister's alive. But she mm-hmm. wasn't. She was like, fuck you. And then Amelia realises that the Cornettos were not only hiding her from the devil, but they were also keeping a leash on her powers. Mm-hmm. And Rath thinks that they put a spell on her to forget things. We have this confrontation where she's talking to Rath. Amelia is pissed and she's storming up to Rath's chamber and has the internal monologue of my choice was made and the only regret I had was how long it took me to arrive here. And we're both like, same. She uses her power. Rath is unsurprised. Our little witch bitch starts actually finally fucking observing and realises that there are some things that are at work. The curse stopped Rath from telling her things. And this mm. is where she has that moment where her and Rath can talk about some things. That's like he has theories about the amulets and what they concealed. And we actually start to finally get some communication between these two. And she knows what she wants now. So she says to him, pretend there's no curse, no magical betrothal or romantic urges created by a bond. Would you choose me to reign beside you, to be your queen, your friend, your confidant, your lover? Oh my God, I love this. And then it's, if I'm still yours, if I am, I would tell you that you are mine, that I am choosing you as my husband. There is no one I'd rather confront my demons with, no soul I'd travel through hell with, and no one else I want standing beside me when I go to the shifting aisles tomorrow. And then he's like, and if I don't require time to think it over? And she's like, then I suggest coming to bed, your majesty. And that's the last line of the book, hook, line, fucking sinker she literally walks past him takes off her shirt invites him to bed and then the book ends and i was screaming yep yep literally there better be a fucking sex scene at the beginning of the next book otherwise i'm gonna come for you carrie Mm, oh my god imagine if they skipped it oh my god fade to black (laughs) i will actually die do we have any theories about the next book other than nonna all right so my theories are related to the Hecate, Hecate, I'd never know how to say it, thing. I'm committed to this mother maiden crone ideology. So if the crone is Celestia, I'm thinking that the mother would be the first witch, which is maybe reincarnated into Vittoria. Mm-hmm. Because if it's Vittoria's body, but it's not completely Vittoria, I'm wondering if that's the end. And then Amelia can be the maiden. So you would have the first witch being the mother. We've got the crone. We've got the maiden. That can be that circle. That's my theories. Look, that makes a lot more sense than Nonna fucking Wrath. And I prefer that. I still think Nonna has some tea to spill there in that their bloodline, the way they've concealed things and not trained. And uh, do they have demon blood in them as well? So someone's fucked a demon at some point. Which would be if they were from the witch bloodline that used to be the the kind of the guardians of the balance between earth and hell and if that line has gone because of whatever this curse is then of course there's demons that can go easily into earth and there's all this stuff happening because the balance has been upheaved on some whim of vengeance because Mm -hmm. assuming that the mother's daughter was 
probably the one that Wrath was fucking in the visions, possibly his first love that died that could be possibly reincarnated into Amelia. There's still obviously a lot of unanswered questions, but that I hope Carrie comes through. Look, I just want there to be a sex scene. We oh, just want the sex. Please, fucking God. I can't think of another slow burn book. There's already been two of them. Alrighty, T-Swift. Now, State of Grace. This whole song is like a vibe for the relationship between Wrath and Amelia. A few little quotes that sort of reference that. And I never saw you coming and I'll never be the same. You come around on the Arbor Falls, pierce the room like a cannonball. Now all we know is don't let go. We're alone. Just you and me up in your room and our slates are clean. Just twin fire signs for blue eyes. Not sure if they have blue eyes or not, but twin fire signs sounds about right for those two. And then, so you were never a saint and I've loved in shades of wrong. We learn to live with the pain, mosaic broken hearts, but this love is brave and wild. I just love them. And of course, you know, my fan art list could be endless. So I've yeah. tried to pull it back. We've got by Into by Fire, we've got Wrath on the Throne. It's oh. goodie. It's a goodie. We've also got by Rosie Thorns 88. We have Amelia in Wrath's lap experiencing gluttony. Then by Jemlin underscore C, which this woman is a queen she's amazing she's just so good and she's done a lot of stuff about wrath and amelia so i really appreciate her hard work but in particular i'm referencing her not safe for work series is good we get a little wrath booty and then by of course my favorite morgana zero anagram we have a scene in the lake with oh, Wrath and Amelia. And then we also have Wrath with the Hellhounds. They do look like puppies. They, they do look like puppies. puppies. Oh, and Wrath in that fucking fan up. Oh, he could do terrible things to me. I would let him absolutely bend me over and. I've been trying to be good because, puppies. like, when you look at fan art of Wrath, there's so much. And it's trying to split it into book one and book two content. So I hope I've done a good job. Like always, we will share it on our story. We have a highlight reel for all the yes. fan art on what we're talking about by episode. So please check it out. Please remember to like follow and subscribe as well well next week we're doing bridge kingdom that was the last book we pulled from fishbowl which is halfway through it's fantastic but shall we pull the next book do it all right oh that can't be fair what is it never night it's never night oh no yeah let's do it okay cool never night i'm winning here because these are the two books i've put into the jar i'm actually really excited to read something from jay christoph so me too so never night again is like assassin's demon cat that eats your fear (laughs) jay christoph is an australian author so after bridge kingdom we are reading never night book one so if you have any thoughts please send us a dm please remember to like follow and subscribe remember we have our videos of our podcast episodes on youtube so if you want to see all the weird shit we do in person youtube's your spot if you want to listen to the audio we should be on all platforms especially spotify we also have our instagram and our tiktok if you want to see the weird shit we are getting up to to try and get your interest all right well we'll see you next week uh for bridge kingdom bye